Today's scripture reading is from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. Please hear these words of scripture. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. You're laughing. Now, I'm going to guess that you're laughing because you haven't seen two people squeeze into this pulpit together before. The lead pastor of Brexville United Methodist Church is currently winging her way to Greece from Turkey on the journeys of Paul. And we're going on a similar journey this morning. But instead of Reverend Heidi Welch, you're going on that journey with Reverend Peg Welch. And Peg. Reverend Ash Welch. Yes, it's a Methodist dynasty. <laughs> Five generations on the Indian side. We served a church together for 12 years, Ash and I. And during that time, we occasionally preached together. Most of the time, it was individually. So this will be something new for you, perhaps. We promise that as we preach together, we won't go back and forth so often that you'll feel like you're watching a tennis match. But you will hear two voices in the message this morning. But today, we remember Jesus. Often, his Last Supper has become just a ritual. That's what happened in Corinth. Today, on this World Communion Day, we want to pass on to you what we have learned about Jesus' sacrifice, what we have learned from Paul and from those who learned about Holy Communion before us. Around the year 50 A.D., or CE, the Apostle Paul founded the church in Corinth during his second missionary journey. And then he went on to Ephesus for quite some time. While living in Ephesus, he received a letter from someone in Corinth that the church had changed and wasn't doing what he had taught them. These are the cities which Pastor Heidi and Russ are visiting, and I'm jealous. I haven't been there. On this day, this morning, their time, they celebrated Holy Communion with Bishop Tracy Malone and with other Christians, just as we're celebrating here in Brexville today. 
Now, Paul, as you recall from the book of Acts, was a Pharisee, a good Jewish man of high standing, who was an enemy of the followers of Jesus Christ. He used his legal knowledge and high intellect to bring Christians to trial and have them put to death. Paul was a Roman citizen from birth and a devout Jew, but Jesus transformed him through a miracle. Then he spent three days blinded by the light of Jesus. He fasted and prayed for the light of understanding about Jesus, and then he learned about him. Paul learned about the truth of Jesus at the hands of one of the people of Damascus, the church in Damascus, someone he was probably going to turn in to the authorities. As a result of his conversion, he found himself being taken in and accepted as family by the very people whom he hated. But even so soon after the church was formed, Christians began to remodel the churches and divide their doctrines. Corinth was a multicultural city, a port city, where people who were rich owned shipping and trading companies. Poor people came there to find work. The Corinthian Christians reflected the Greek culture around them and had become a class-divided group that reflected the social culture of Corinth as well. Paul learned that the rich who didn't have to work full-time would come early to church and have a party. Some even got drunk, and many of them would eat their fill of the potluck dinner, leaving little for the poorer laborers who would come later from a full day's work. Paul chewed them out and told the rich ones they could eat their fill at home and leave plenty at the potluck meals at church for the poorer members of the church. Then he went on to remind them of the Last Supper with Jesus, which the first disciples, like Peter, had taught him. And these words of Paul are what we use here today at Brexville, United Methodist Church, nearly 2,000 years later. And they are used by churches all over the world. Today, we remember Jesus. Today, we celebrate World Communion Sunday. There are billions of Christians who celebrate Holy Communion in every time zone on the planet. And for me, this is very personal because Ash and I together and separately have, have participated in communion in at least 15 or 16 countries. And we have friends and relatives in many places around the world. And even though many miles divide us, this one Sunday, we know that we are participating in the same meal together. Different time zones, different times. In fact, our family in India probably actually celebrated communion yesterday. <laughs> but still, this, this, this Sunday unites us in a meal together. We use different languages, but all of us in those languages are reminded of the words of Jesus that were passed on by Paul to the early church from the earliest disciples. In 1 Corinthians 11, the words are found in verses 23 to 25. On the night he was betrayed, 
the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after his supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You'll hear those words one more time as we celebrate communion together. We can't hear them too many times today. But unfortunately, even if we hear them again and again and again, Jesus did not write a manual to help us understand these words, and so they're interpreted in many, many different ways. People immediately began debating various questions. Who's allowed to take communion? Who's allowed to serve communion? Who's allowed to consecrate the elements? How many times should it be done? Every week? Every day? Once a year? Four times a year. Church I grew up in, it was four times a year. What is communion? How is it to be given? Are we supposed to take it standing up, sitting down, kneeling? Are we supposed to fast before we have communion? Believe me, that's not practiced here if you take a look at the cookies and the cupcakes <laughs> and the candy that are in the parlor. Some people even think drinking coffee is breaking the fast and... There's no way I could subscribe to those denominations. <laughs> Where can it be given? Is it okay to take communion outside? Can we offer communion in our home? We're both ordained. Can I offer communion anywhere? Well, yeah, you're retired, but you're ordained for life, so yeah, pretty much anywhere. What about in a Catholic church? Well, you could try. No. no. <laughs> Nobody would take it, but you could offer it. See, that's what we're talking about. So many ways. There are 45,000 Christian denominations interpreting communion in different ways. This week we ran into a problem we, I didn't realize we had. A couple, was it two years ago? Mm -hmm. Our a couple of our adopted kids, we have 30 or 40 of them, we lost count, um, wanted to get married. The problem was that it was at the height of COVID. That wasn't the only problem. The problem is they're both Indian from South India. Couldn't go home to get married. Um, and then there was the additional problem that he's Roman Catholic and she is Jacobite. Jacobite. I didn't realize that was a huge problem. I thought they were both sort of the Roman Catholic side of the equation. They don't take communion in one another's churches. So how do we have a wedding mass for them? And now we want to go to India in January and celebrate their wedding all over again with their family and friends, and they still can't take communion together even though they're married. Except when, of course, their adopted Methodist parents give it to them. 
just as the Corinthians in the first century divided over the practice of Eucharist, and by the way, we can't even agree on what to call communion. Eucharist, the Last Supper, Holy Communion, communion, what do we call it? A love feast? We too have divided in our understanding of what it is and what it means. There's a broad spectrum of opinion on this, but three basic positions. And it's those positions really that divide churches as to whether or not one can receive communion in another denomination or not. It really does have to do with our theology of communion. You see, there are those who believe in what is called transubstantiation, which just means the changing of substance. Trans is change, substantiation is substance. That is, that when the elements are blessed, they change into the real body and the real blood of Christ. That's what Abraham's family believes. But then there are those who believe in, with the words of Jesus, do this in remembrance of me, that all it is is a symbolic act, which doesn't change anything. We simply celebrate communion in order to remember who Jesus was and what he did. And many people believe that. And that's Susan's family. Well, one of the reasons Abraham and Susan both feel comfortable taking communion from Methodist pastors is that we believe in a third path. Something really does change when we celebrate communion together. Jesus is truly and really present in the elements changing us. We are changed in the celebrating of this meal. We are changed into the body of Christ in the world. Though our differences can and do divide us, on this day we celebrate what unites us, our common faith in Jesus Christ. The Corinthian church was divided, but Paul reminded them that in Christ we are united into one family of God. And what unites us is more powerful than what divides us. No more Jewish or Gentile divisions, no more slave or free, no more male or female. We are all sinners who are forgiven by God through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Jesus took the ancient ritual of Passover. It already existed. And it remembered God's salvation. It was symbolized in the unleavened bread that represented the manna in the wilderness. And the wine, <laughs> well, I didn't even mention that we're divided by whether we use wine or grape juice. But the wine or grape juice, the cup, represents the coming of the Messiah, the Messianic cup. He changed the meaning of these Passover symbols into a very real interpretation that we remember today. God gives us in Jesus the bread which we need for daily life 
And in Jesus' death and the blood he shed for us, we proclaim his death for our sins. He was the blameless lamb of Passover, which was sacrificed so that God's people could be saved. This sacrifice was for the Jews at the original Passover in Egypt and was repeated for many generations to remember God's covenant through Moses. But Jesus transformed its meaning into a new covenant of love for all people. Not just Jews, but even the Samaritans, even, <laughs> even Gentiles like us. Through today's text, Paul reminds all of Jesus' followers that the sacrifice is for all of us, even today. This is God's covenant of love, grace, and forgiveness for all. Today we remember Jesus, and we proclaim his death for our salvation. We also proclaim that God raised him from death into eternal life, and what better gift could we receive but God's new covenant of love? So who taught you about Jesus? Who taught you about God's love? Maybe, like me, you learned it a long time ago and need to be reminded again. Or maybe you just learned of it last week and need another reminded today. God taught Paul from those who were present with Jesus. And Paul passed it on to the Corinthians and to many others. The remembrance reached the far ends of the earth, carried by his disciples like Thomas to India and by missionaries like my parents and countless others around the world. I guess you're probably left hanging, wondering what happened with Abraham and Susan and how they eventually married, got together to get married. We called Abraham's father and said, who is the head of your church? He said, why, it's the Pope in Rome. We're Roman Catholics. And I said, I believe you would probably agree with me that you are wrong. He said, what do you mean I'm wrong? I said, I think you would agree with me that ultimately Jesus Christ is the head of your church. He said, well, yeah, you put it that way. Okay, I get that. And I called Susan's father, Nainan, and I said, who is the head of your church? He said, it's the Metropolitan of Antioch. I think you would agree with me that you are ultimately wrong in that. Jesus Christ is the head of your church, too. So the fathers agreed that their children could get married. And that was all it took. They did not agree to have their children married in the Methodist church, however. No. That was a little bit stretching it too we far. We didn't get to do the wedding. We didn't get to do the wedding. But we did get a Roman Catholic priest in our town of Galleon, Ohio, who did their wedding. And both families are so happy now that they're married. But today we remember Jesus, the head of our church. Sometimes for, we forget what he taught because we want it just for ourselves. Do you remember that he taught in many parables? I'm going to remind you of God's forgiveness through a parable. Perhaps you've heard it before. I invite you to open your heart and mind to hear it again, maybe a little differently. Does anybody know the story of the little red hen? Put your hand up if you know that story. 
most of you, most of you know the story of the little red hen. You don't know the story the way Ash tells it. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a little red hen. On a beautiful sunny day, she went out to the field and plucked some grain and brought it back to the farm barnyard. And she said, who will go with me to the mill to get this grain ground into flour? Not I, said the horse, I'm too busy prancing, prancing in the paddock. Not I, said the duck, I'm too busy wallowing in the pond. Not I, said the pig, I'm too busy playing in the mud. Just a little side note to this, as I was researching the story, as I researched Paul's story, and now the little red hen, I discovered something new that you, maybe you hadn't heard about. The duck was in a movie in 1934 by someone named Walt Disney. And that duck was the first time that Donald Duck appeared on Earth. How about that? In the so movie about the, the little red hen. Little hen. It was okay. called The Wise Little Red Hen. Could you movie. continue with the story? Which story? The Little Red Hen. Oh, yes, The Little Red Hen. So off she went by herself to get the flour milled, and she came back and she said, Who will help me knead this flour into dough? Not I, said the horse. I'm too busy prancing in the paddock. Not I, said Donald Duck. <laughs> I'm saying the duck. <laughs> who said, I'm too busy paddling in the pond. Not I, said the pig. I'm too busy playing in the mud then I'll just have to do it myself. And off she went and kneaded it into dough and put it in the oven and it baked. And when the bread was done, she came out onto the back porch of the farmhouse and all the animals smelled that delicious bread baking and they all came running in and stood there around her. And they said, can I have some? And what did the little red hen say? Do you remember the story? She said, you, she took that bread. And she lifted it up and blessed it. And then she broke the bread. And she gave it to them and said, you are forgiven. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, representing the manna, and he transformed its meaning when he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, when he took the last cup, something new and different happened that changed the words for us forever. He took the cup and he blessed it, and that was normal and usual and customary at the Passover. Gave thanks to God for the fruit of the vine. But then he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, meaning himself poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. This is my blood poured out for you. 
And so in remembrance of God's mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's sacrifice for us. And we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let us pray. Pour out your spirit, O God, upon each one of us. Your spirit of grace, your spirit of love, your spirit of forgiveness. We know there are times when we have not been the people of love you created us to be. But you are always an ever-loving God. And you love us to the ends of the earth as we remember your sacrifice in Jesus Christ who shed his blood on the cross for us, who rose for our sake and conquered death itself, and who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. And as he taught us, so now we pray. Our Father, who Who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom kingdom come, come, thy thy will be done, done, on earth as as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, and forever. Amen. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Come, your sins are forgiven. Christ has made you a new creature. The table is ready. Christ's table is ready. Amen.
of Christ broken for you, Kathy. broken for you, Ash. Um, here, let's do it. Down here. The blood of Christ shed for you to desecrate. shed for you.
We have a prayer concern submitted this morning for someone named Joe. Joe went down to help his dad in Florida and fell off the roof and is now in hospital with brain confusion. Uh, so one assumes that there was a head injury. And that reminds us of all of the persons in Florida, in Canada, and Puerto Rico who are recovering from storm damage. Many of you, like us, may have friends and relatives who uh, lost bricks and mortar, but not their lives. And, and then all of those who are assisting, who are in danger because of the very real conditions they face there. Let's bring all of our concerns before God, and I'm going to pray bidding prayer, which means I'll pray for a category of persons, and then I'll pause, and you can silently or out loud name people you know who fit in that category. Then I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and please answer, hear our prayer. Let's begin. Almighty God, yours is the earth, yours is the heavens, and everything and everyone in between. You embrace the entire world. Would that we could as well. Would that your will really would be done throughout the globe. We pray this day for those in adverse circumstances due to floods, hurricanes, devastating conditions. Lord, in your mercy, We pray this day for our war-torn world, especially for those in Ukraine. We pray for peace, but a peace that lasts. Lord, in your mercy, we, we pray for all of those things which divide us that divisions might be true and real, but not separate us and make us enemies. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for those among us who are ill, especially for Joe, that they might be healed in body, mind, and spirit. Lord, in your mercy. We pray today for those who are absent from our presence, but not from our hearts. Lord, in your mercy. And we 
we pray that your will might be done in our lives as we listen for you and heed your word. Give us your grace, your mercy, and your peace as we go from this place that we might pass the torch. For we ask in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we pray the prayer that we ask in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Action steps. Joe isn't the only one with brain confusion. So as we leave here, we want to give you a few ways that you can continue to grow with God and with one another in the days and weeks to come. Uh, first, the contemplative service. The 8.30 service uh, is moving inside next Sunday on October 9th. Uh, and when that service moves indoors, we're going to be trying something different. Uh, a contemplative worship service down in Fellowship Hall. We're working hard to create a worshipful space uh, down there, and it'll be time to slow down, quiet your mind, meditate, uh, meditate on scripture. No special skills are needed, just a willing and open heart and mind to stay in love with God. Uh, second, Habitat Faith Build. Uh, sign up for our last Habitat for Humanity Day by October 11th. The actual work day is October 27th, where we'll gather to help build a house for a wonderful homeowner. And then finally, we have a Bike Fix-It Day and Lunch. On Sunday, October 16th, we'll join together after this 1030 service for lunch and to fix bikes. The stage in Fellowship Hall is filling with lovingly donated bikes, and we need to fix them up so we can give them to folks in need. Uh, you can sign up for any of these at bumclinks.com or just call the office. Thank you. I'll pass on to you what I learned from so many others who went before. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all this day and forevermore. And this part I'm going to pass on to you that I made up. Go in peace and not in pieces. Amen. Let's walk together for a while and ask where we
Thanks for joining us. You have a wonderful week.